Welcome to The Collector's House, a Matches Fashion Podcast. I'm Danielle Rodoichin. Each episode features a conversation with a creative mind about the things that inspire them or that have given their life meaning in some way. From books, to art, to a piece of jewellery, these objects are collected into a cabinet which resides in physical form in the attic at 5 Carlos Place, the Matches Fashion Townhouse in London. My guest today is the Israeli, London-based choreographer, Hofer Schechter. Founder and director of the Hofer Schechter Company, he is known for his visceral dance productions, which divide critics and thrill fans, as well as for his forays into pop culture. For example, when he created the opening sequence of the cult teen British TV drama, Skins. He took a moment during a visit to Five Carlos Place to talk to me about his mission to democratize dance, his love of footwear, and the things that he'd put in the cabinet upstairs. Professor Schechter, hello. Hello. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. A pleasure, absolute pleasure. Especially on this rainy, wet English summer's day (laughs) um, here at Five Carlos Place in London. Um, What brings you here? Um, so what brings me here is we're going to have uh, an, a sort of an artist talk with uh, Palmer Harding and myself uh, speaking about um, art and life, I suppose. Um, Palmer Harding approached me um, a few months ago. It was quite a while ago and they're just they've been in touch and they said that they really want to do something together. Um, they've seen my work uh, Grand Finale and really liked the um, the feel of it, the energy, the colors, you know, things that uh, I didn't necessarily think about when I was creating it uh, together with my designers in the sense of, uh, you know, it was really nice to hear their thoughts about it. But um, yeah, and they just wanted to connect and do something together. And so we are. Yeah. Um, congratulations on Grand Finale. Um, it's been getting amazing reviews and a lot of attention. Um, I was just thinking with Palmer Harding, they're obviously fashion designers. They specialize yeah. in making these beautiful shirts, yeah. one of which you're wearing. Yes. And um, this idea of hybrids or creating new synergies through creative collaborations um, is something yeah. that you have done. Some, some I've done lot it. Of. Yeah, I've done it, of course. And uh, I worked with the designers, both, uh, I mean, for sets and costumes, of course. And I, I have to say my, uh, um, in all humbleness, I I don't have any talents. I work very hard. <laughs> so really? I can, you know, <laughs> so I, ca- I get away with making choreography and music. Um, it's very difficult for me to uh, to design, to work on costumes and stage design. So I have to always to find people that are really good at uh, connecting to my world and, um, you know, that bring the right thing. I think it's it's not surprising that, uh, that artists from these forms are connecting. I mean, it's a very... Um, it's a very, in a way, similar thing that we are trying to do, which is to, um, quite broadly speaking, uh, you try to connect to the spirit of the time. Um, you try to reflect it. You try to do something that is familiar to people and that they can connect to. And then you try to do with it something new. And you, tr- you, know, you, you try to put your own twist on it or you try to 
uh, fly with the imagination of yourself and take people with you and so on. So, uh, you know, d design and, you know, fashion, what Palmer Harding are doing and many others, is it's... Um, um, there is a there is a matter of uh, yeah trying to connect to people and um, it's a very it's a very um, how to say it's a very tricky thing you know you try to do something new and yet recognizable and and so on so um, yeah I find it really really interesting that kind of uh, battle and actually we we sat and spoke uh, and we we discovered that uh, our creative processes are very similar in that sense, in the sense of uh, trying to find something where people connect to your work, but trying to do with it something new, trying to do something brave with it. Um, yeah. And and uh, am I talking too much? No, <laughs> I'm not yeah. at all. I think through dance is quite um, an abstract form of art in a way. But you're telling little stories. It is about storytelling in a way. It's about creating tension and um, breaking it and so on. And uh, you could say that design, uh, you know, clothes design is also, it's, you're telling a story. I mean, you're coming with a certain statement. You are, it has subtleties to it at all. It is nonverbal, but it communicates something uh, that is like a story that has to have some tension in it, that has to be brave, but, you know, not too crazy and so on. So I find it very similar, the, the tensions in the creativity in doing so, you know, in trying to tell a story through something quite abstract, actually. Is it your first time working with a fashion designer? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Been Are you in interested in fashion yourself or is it? I'm, you know, if my dancers will be listening to that now, they, they might be laughing. I, I am, I like fashion to be very simple. And that's why I, you know, simple in a, in a, in a good way, in a way that is efficient. And um, I find beauty in very simple things. Are you talking about in your the clothes you wear personally or yes, on stage? Yes, but also, so, you know, and that's why when I saw what Palmer and Harding are doing, I thought, I really like that because of the simplicity. Um, on stage as well, I'm normally looking for simplicity. I mean, it depends what story I'm trying to tell. Um, but personally, I um, I'm not one to spend a lot of time in the in the shops. I walk in. I see if I see something I like. I walk in. I put it on. If it works, I take it. If not, bye bye. You, but know? you like the physical connection to something. I, I just if it works for me, then it's fine. I'm not. I'm, but. Um, when I find clothes that I like, I basically I buy a lot of them and I wear the same thing over and over again, you know. Um, yeah, it, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one for me. Um, being comfortable is a, is a big thing, but being comfortable is a very tricky thing to say because being comfortable, I mean, physically is one thing. I mean, I'm not going to walk out with a pajama to the street. Um, it's being comfortable. I think I like feeling, uh, you know, England is a complicated place <laughs> um, and and um, between uh, wealth and, and culture and class and so on. I like feeling somewhere in the middle, you know, kind of like, uh, and that makes me feel comfortable that I can connect with whatever person that I meet. Um, I think there is something there about feeling comfortable, but I mean, gosh, fashion is a is a complicated thing, hmm. you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, do you know this podcast has a special format, and I hope that 
people who've organised this have told you about it. I don't know if they mentioned oh, yeah. to you. Je- there, uh, so in each episode, yeah. the person that we speak to chooses five things that mean something to them. And I was wondering if you brought anything <laughs> well, to share with us. Yeah, today. yeah. No, I suddenly, you know, as you said, it's uh, the email that I received <laughs> this morning flashed <laughs> in many. front of my eyes. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I was like, oh, I'll yeah. think about that later. <laughs> so later arrived, and it's now. Um, okay, I'll start with a big one, with with probably the biggest one, which is um, Stanley Kubrick, uh, film director. For whoever doesn't know, of course, everybody knows him. Uh, the the aesthetics and the timing of his storytelling is something that I just adore. Um, there's something so kind of brave and bold in the way that he's he's doing it. Um, what? How did you first discover Stanley Kubrick and his work? I I discovered uh, Kubrick. I think the first thing, unfortunately for me, the first thing that I've seen, I think, was a Clockwork Orange. Yeah, and I think it was it was in this kind of like uh, we have a cinematheque, a special cinema in Jerusalem. How old were you? I was like maybe 18, 17. And there was this kind of uh, midnight, uh, you know, uh, showing of A Clockwork Orange. And my friend told me, dude, that's like, you know, crazy film, blah, 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 amazing director. So we went so you know it finished at like who knows like 2 30 uh, a.m middle of the night yeah and i remember the walk home <laughs> yeah. it wasn't comfortable you know um and that was the first time uh, i've seen his work but um yeah there is something I, I think when i go back through my work i see that i think almost every piece of mine if not every piece of mine will have some sort of reference or some sort of obvious influence from Kubrick's work. Um, 2001, A Space Odyssey, also kind of like, uh, I don't know, just such a powerful way to to bring ideas and energies and paradoxes and conflicts that we have in our culture. Also, life. he was mashing up classical music. I mean, he uses yeah. Strauss's voice yeah. in that film and something, yeah. something that you do. Absolutely. He's completely shameless, uh, which I learned a lot from. He's, he's, yeah, he's just shameless in using whatever he wants, whatever he feels like, when he feels like, and, and that's it, you know. Um, and that's very inspiring, you know. There's a level of freedom artistically and yet some kind of focus, you know. It's not just a mess. So you grew up in Jerusalem. Yeah. Um, and then found your way to Paris first, I believe, um, to study music. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So sort of dance and you'd already been doing some dance, um, but dance and music helped you find your way to Europe um, and then eventually to London. What brought yeah, you to it? Yeah, actually, the, the f- my first contact point with art was music. And at the age of uh, six, I was sent to study the piano. Um, I, I, I choose my words carefully. I was sent. I really didn't want to. Uh, I was, you know, I was forced into it. I didn't practice much. And yet uh, I had a good connection with the piano and I played for about six or seven years. My favorite uh, element of uh, that connection to the piano was creating my own little tunes. That was my fun, my thing. And 
had a little tape recorder where I could record stuff and, you know, reverse it and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, that was the, you know, early days before, before computers and so on. And then I, I got into dance through folk dancing. Folk dancing is something that everybody is doing in Israel. Um, it's um, just something you do in school. Uh, just uh, on Friday, they, which is the last day of the week in Israel, everybody gathers gathers in the school hall and just do some folk dancing. And from there, it kind of went into uh, joining a youth uh, folk dance company. Um, and after that, uh, you know, then I kind of fell in love with the form, you know. I would say mainly with the social aspect of it, of kind of, I mean, doing something artistic and doing it with other people in the room. Um, I think it was very challenging for me also personally I was uh, still am very shy you know I kind of I felt uncomfortable uh, inside it inside my body and I thought there was a drive in a way towards um, you know getting over it and getting comfortable in that place but yeah the social beat <coughs> sorry the social beat and the the traveling element as well which meant that i can go and see the country and the world through yeah. touring yeah mm. so it was your way to have an adventure yeah exactly it just took me out of my little bubble what did your parents do what uh, my well that's such a complicated question <laughs> um my dad currently is a sort of holistic uh kind of healer giving treatments uh, body psychotherapy uh, you know stuff like that he's a freak of like was he uh, always meditation alternative when you were growing up uh no no he had a pretty crazy life yeah he was a real i don't know you call it here in england as well a kind of hippie you know in the 70s you know like wearing like flowery shirts and smoking grass and stuff like that you know so my name uh, in hebrew means freedom the name of my brother in hebrew means uh, kind of like a sort of a form of love so we were like freedom and love so that gives you the right picture <laughs> but then my dad went into the business of the family which was wine shops across Jerusalem and then he went to study art um, and then he somehow yeah he somehow ended up uh, doing this um, and, uh, and my mom and dad separated when I was very young and my mom uh, in a way didn't do much in life she was a kind of a housewife you know, she was kind of just at home um, and um, yeah, towards the later part of her life, she decided to start working just for, suppose, in interest and uh, worked in a bookshop. Is it but, true you wrote a piece of dance um, or music in response to her mm, leaving? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. It was a very good, um, it was a very good um self-therapy uh, exercise in a way uh, but also in a way that I think could be beneficial for other people I think people like experiencing things uh, through experiences of other people so um, but yeah it was a, I didn't know it when I started to make the piece I didn't make the piece and thought I'm gonna make a piece about that what was it called the piece uh, the art of not looking back um, so that gives you a bit of a sense of uh, where the piece goes but uh, um, yeah I didn't know that it will get there and somehow through working I decided to make uh, an all woman piece and um, yeah as yeah, it just unveiled itself why all women um, it was 
for quite technical reasons in a way or kind of like I don't, I don't want to say random but I I made an old man an old man piece um, before that piece in 2006 it was hugely successful and a lot of people said oh wow great and this is really a, a men's choreographer he's kind of he's like he's doing choreography for dudes and that's great and I said yeah that's great I can connect with a male body and do choreography you know through my body I'm a male dancer was but you know uh, and I decided to challenge myself. I said, hang on a second, I can, you know, what what happens if I work with women? What, what comes out? Um, and that came out. <laughs> um, so, yeah. It Did was, it, was it cathartic? It was, in a way. It is, it is uh, I was telling people because there is some elements in the piece that can shock maybe shock is a big word but yeah kind of shock people and they come to me after and they ask me questions and like really and, da, da, da. and I say you know it's based on a true story and it's twisted for the sake of art you know there were some elements there that I twisted so that to make it more powerful to make the pain kind of be a bit more colorful but um, yeah it was all the same even you know it's 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 art, it's not real, it's not life, but it did give me a place in a way to to feel, to express, you know, the, some feelings that I have there. Did your mom see it? No, she didn't see it. She read about it. My mom didn't see a lot of my work. She saw just some of it when it came to Israel. She doesn't travel much. Um, she traveled for the first time in her life to come to London to see my children when they were born so that you know that was a good reason but otherwise she lives her life in Jerusalem happy quiet life you know um, now she has quite a lot of grandchildren around so that's uh, but yeah no she didn't see it uh, but you know my mom carries quite uh, a good amount of uh, guilt with her and she read about it a bit and she said oh no but I totally understand of course you will be angry and stuff and da 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 you know <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's fine, mom. It's just, you know, it's a, it's a dance piece. It's an art piece. And art. yeah, but she was, she was cool with it. Yeah. What was the second thing that we can talk about? Mm. Can I be boring and bring another uh, film director? You can, yeah. that's not boring. It's, yeah, not boring because Woody Allen, that's another person that I, I love. Um, and was very inspired from as well in my work, I suppose, and in life a little bit. There is a lot uh, in him and he, in his life that I can identify with. Um, first of all, I'm really funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but, you know, the sort of like self-deprecating kind of the... the in my work as well, there is a level where I... I'm having fun with uh, being a victim a little bit. Um, and this is something in Woody Allen's work, which I love, you know. Um, and there is the element of uh, connecting. Um, yeah, the way he's using text, the way he's the way he's leading you through text. And um, yeah, I just find the man really intelligent and really funny. Mm -hmm. And again, that thing where he can go very deep actually with his films but there are comedies so he doesn't take himself or life seriously um and at the same time he can really um hit you in a deep way you know in a very in very deep places 
Um, I, I suppose my work, I mean, my work is not that funny. I, I think it is. I think a lot of people miss <laughs> how funny it is. Part of what funny about my work, what I find funny is that it's questioning the art form itself. So, you know, I'm, you know, I like contemporary dance, but I question it um, seriously many times. And also my own work, my own practice as a choreographer of contemporary dance and how seriously we take ourselves and what you can get away with. I mean, you can get away with, uh, you know, with quite literally murder on stage um, because of the art form, you know, and there is something that I find that's funny for me. Um, so, yeah, so Woody Allen is that other person uh, or thing. In the work that you've done, um, I've no, I, I feel like you're very interested in this idea of bringing um, dance to, of democratizing dance um, mm. and making it sort of taking it, get, moving it away from this being something that's elitist or only available mm, to certain completely. people. Um, do you want to talk a bit about that? I would love to talk <laughs> about that. I mean, the nature of contemporary dance is that it grew from classical ballet. I mean, it's it's a sort of like it's a chunk that fell off classical ballet and people started experimenting. But in essence, this um, this culture of classical ballet, I mean, if we go a little bit back from there, classical ballet is is a dance that was made for kings. You know, this is this is where it's coming from. You, it was dancers entertaining in the court, entertaining kings and queens and princesses, and and that's what it is. And and that's that's a very powerful thing that we still uh, have somewhere in our sort of conscience, conscious or subconscious that is there. It belongs. It's a form of entertainment to the to the rich and and wealthy and elite, like you said, and. There is another part to dance, which I think is what contemporary dance was trying or is trying to do with dance, which is dance is a very tribal thing. Dance, if you go really far, far back, it touches a place where we were. It was a way to connect with each other. It was a way to connect with the spirits, if you want, in some sort of spiritual way, whether it's religious or whether it's about, you know, imitating the spirits of animals in order to hunt them and so on. The, there is something very ancient about it, very powerful about it, and that, to me, this is where it really hits me in a powerful way, when a thousand or two thousand people sit in a theater and observe what could be like a ceremony, like sort of like a spiritual ceremony where we bring up the spirits, we bring up ideas and emotions, and something really powerful happens. Now, and there is this tension because you know, contemporary dance at the most part will be performed to middle upper class uh, because these are the people that were educated to love it or be interested in it and so on. Um, and and I find that I'm sure I have the certainty that many more people can enjoy, learn, um, grow, you know, from seeing or from being involved in dance and contemporary dance. It's not it's something that is to do with the body, with the energy. There is no, it's not exclusive to anything or anyone. Um, and that's where my passion comes from. Uh, also because I'm, I didn't, you know, I came from Jerusalem from, uh, I don't know, I don't know if I can define what kind of family, but not rich, you know, and not 
I actually was not educated at all to love and know dance in any way. I mean, like I said, folk dancing was a sort of like it happened by chance. It was just a random thing that happened to me. Um, so I, I know for certain that, you know, people from all kinds, places, you know, shapes, forms, uh, any life that they had can connect with movement and dance and can find it extremely interesting. And, and it's difficult because also in a sense of the subject matters that you bring through dance, um, in a way, I don't know how to put it gently, but it, it, when a creator is creating something and wants to share it with the world, he wants people to understand it, connect to it, love it maybe. Now, if you're trying to make stuff that uh, a certain slice of society will appreciate, it has to carry messages that support or validate their way of life. Once you start challenging it, it's, you know, you start putting yourself in a tricky position. But I like challenging it sometimes. I think I think people see in my work what they want to see sometimes. So, you know, uh, Political Mother is a work that I did in, uh, oh, I just remember when, 2010, 11. Because of the title, because of the happenings on stage, I think a lot of people, you know, critics, audiences, um, really loved the piece. They felt that it validates some sort of um very generally speaking are sort of like a lefty kind of view of the world uh, fascism is bad uh, blah 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 were you the, surprised at that interpretation or was no i wasn't surprised but the piece doesn't say it anywhere i mean it, it just presents things on stage if something you could say it glorifies fascism because it shows you know this uh, politician figure and then a rock star and it makes it it, it draws lines between uh, positions of power and questions that you know questions you know why do we feel it's okay to you know um, you know run after like a, a rock star and not after a dictator or you know or some or a general an army general the 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 work puts questions out there the interpretation was because I'm from Israel and because I called it political mother and because these were the images well, that says something really important. It probably does. I'm not saying that it doesn't. The emotions that went through me are many when I created the work. But the fact that the work is seen through the eyes of uh, that slice of society that try to validate their own views. Now, uh, people that came from, uh, you know, uh, people from other cultures that came to see the work and perhaps went through a lot of struggle and fight to liberate themselves, so in the work that you know they saw and and responded to it uh, very differently as well very excited uh, about the work and very supportively but it represented for them a sort of a place to vent anger you know it's just really interesting that uh, that like i said uh, a dance work is abstract in many ways you can give hints to what the story is about but you can't you i don't try to make statements uh, you know, final statements. So, um, yeah, it's just interesting uh, that uh, one work can mean so many things for many people, but that, that tension with the essentially the middle class audience that my work is mostly performing to, I find it fascinating. Mm. Yeah. What's the third thing we're going to talk about? Third thing, you know what, can I, can we talk about shoes? Sure. And I know that I, I said that I'm not, uh, you know, I'm I'm not one to uh, run around shops and look for clothes. and But I love shoes. 
it's something that I love. And at a certain point, uh, again, probably thinking about my childhood, um, sorry, shoes is something that I could not have. Uh, I could have one pair and that's it. I would wear it until it literally dies, you know, peels off me. And then we will go to the shop and I have to buy shoes again, which are again from some kind of like, I'm not going to mention the brand, but some sort of like obscure Israeli brand that was like, I hated it. I really, really hated it. And I had a lot of friends in school um, that were uh, from healthy families, from uh, the United States and so on. So people were wearing like Reebok and like Nike and stuff like that. Uh, and um, I remember when I was, uh, I think, 14, I just begged my dad and I was like, come on, I want, can I buy my own shoes? And I don't remember, I probably had to do a few chores and a few works in the house in order to to be worthy of the of the money to buy it. And um, and uh, yeah, and finally bought like this pair of Nikes and they were stunning. I mean, I, I they just look so great on my on my feet. And there was something about feeling uh, OK, feeling comfortable to walk into school, to be in school. And um, but what happened uh, now when I'm uh, supposedly an adult um, is that I, I, I love shoes so much and I have many pairs of shoes, basically. And one of my friends told me that uh, people that have many pairs of shoes, it's supposed to mean something like you have a personality. You're not sure who you are. You know, you don't you're not sure what identity really? is and blah, blah. And I was like, oh, blah, blah, <laughs> whatever. I just I couldn't have enough. I, you know, it's almost like something that I had to treat, you know, myself and just be like this year. I'm just stopping because how many I, pairs are we talking about? It's not so many now. It's not so many. It's probably something like 35. Mm. And I threw a lot. I moved uh, I moved um, from my place a few years ago and I decided to get rid of a few. You know, you go really deep in the closet and you see like, <laughs> I love these shoes, but I don't wear them. No, no, no. They all look quite new you would imagine because you know they, i don't wear any of them so much um i try to rotate it's kind of it's fun <laughs> but um so are they mainly i threw about 10 pairs and, and a few months back i also threw another like seven or eight and i yeah i'm trying to i'm trying to keep it a bit more concise i here is the sick thing i don't feel like i have many pairs of shoes i think for a guy I mean, you know, guys, girls, these days, it's all the same, right? But for a guy still in my world, in my, um, where I grew up, to have 35 pairs of shoes is just ridiculous, you know? I have to say, but also, you know, dancers in my company, friends, you know, uh, female, male, they think I'm not okay. <laughs> <laughs> how many, how many pairs of shoes do you have? I, I, now That's I need to know. That's a good question, yeah. Um, I also like shoes a lot, but okay. I'm tall and I've always been uncomfortable about being tall and I don't wear heels, although oh. I do own heels, but I tend to buy lots of flat, flat shoes. Uh-huh. I reckon I, but it's a question of space. I don't know how much yeah. space you have at home. Yeah. I don't have a great deal of space. Uh-huh. So I reckon I probably have around between 20 and 30 pairs. Okay. But I would Modest. have more. 
Yeah. Very modest. And space, you know, is like dessert. You can make space for dessert always. So, True. you know, I, there is always more space for shoes in, in my place. If we need, yeah. we throw what shoes? Are, what, what are these shoes that you're wearing today? They look this like this is, uh, I think, Timberland. Yeah. yeah, that's like my, my, uh, how to say, my jeans. Yeah. Shoes. Everyday yeah, kind yeah. of. Yeah. But um, I wear a lot of sneakers. I really love yeah. wearing sneakers. Are you? Do you go onto those um, apps and websites where they're like, it's all about the drop? And those exclusive yeah pairs. no i told you i'm a quick buyer i'll walk down the street and i tour a lot which is oh, yeah. another problem and i you know uh you get a pair of dms then you know if you have some in the end like what do you do with it you buy some shoes you know <laughs> um uh but yeah i tour a lot so i you just take a walk in a in a city i just see a pair of shoes i'm like yeah i know that will feel really good go in put them on you know, nine so it's like your way of connecting with a new place. Like some people go, some people <laughs> go for a run. Yeah, people... and also many times when I finish a project, I will buy some shoes. It's it's an illness. It's not there is certainly. I think there's a name for that. Yeah. I just don't know what it is. Yeah, there must be a name yeah. for that. Um. So what about? Um. I'm really interested in this idea of um of um because it's something that I d I don't know. But when does art the um the, the kind of dance that you that you work with when does that cross over and become sort of the kind of dance you see in pop culture for example i'm thinking about like if you're watching a beyonce video um that kind of dance and how is why is there a perception from people that that's mm. di that's different to the kind of dance that's performed at saddler's wells yeah well i'd say not being judgmental but beyonce is actually a bad example because it's a good example for pop culture dance that is highly creative and actually when i see her stuff i'm thinking yeah there is very little that separates i mean the the, the packaging is right. different i think and and the you know the the setting is different i mean you're coming to a pop concert and therefore you're you know you have songs you have like numbers and then you have the dancers but in the sense of the movement itself and in the sense of the creativity of the movement and the way they create it and the way that you feel that the people that are involved have put themselves into it in a way that is meaningful to them. Um, I, I think actually there is very little that separates. Mm. Um, but, but it is, um, you know, generally pop culture dance is... Uh, about is very frontal is about presenting something is about kind of selling something to the audience be it uh, beauty sex um power um confrontation you know anger and so on again <laughs> might not be that far from what people want to express as well in a contemporary dance piece but this is all very it's very much it's presented to the audience very front, you know, in a very frontal way, a presentational way. Whereas for me, contemporary dance is, um, it's more like, um, I like to think about works that I enjoy, like a National Geographic uh, program about animals, only the animals are people and you're watching them on stage and you see people inside their own kind of existence and life and uh, with their emotions and their interaction and you're sort of learning from that so it's not necessarily about um, about confronting the audience 
unless it's a statement in contemporary dance. I mean, confronting the audience and actually we will see uh, Clowns tonight, the f short film of Clowns, which is a lot about presenting something to the camera, but it is, it is meant, it is about, it's sarcastic in a way, and it's kind of presenting this kind of like ridiculous, endless ways of killing each other in a very entertaining way. Um, so yeah, but it, it's it is a tricky question. I mean, um, you can say the 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 intention of the people that are coming to see the work. It's also what do they want to get out of it? I think when you go to a pop uh, concert, you what do you want? I mean, you want to have fun. You want to you know forget yourself, forget about your life. Um, and it might be that when you go to see contemporary dance, it's the same, but mostly you probably want to dig in a little bit. You want to see some beauty. You want to see, you know, you're coming for an unknown experience. Let's put it like that. Contemporary dance is a mixed bag of surprises. You never know. And that's what you come for. So, yeah, it's just, um, yeah, it's different energy. And you've crossed over into popular culture um, since we're talking about it as well um and you choreographed the opening credits for the tv the channel 4 tv series skins and why did you do that and were you surprised at the sort of response it had from people well i did it exactly because uh, i thought it's cool and great that young people will see my work you know i thought uh, i was in a way humbled that uh, they told me it's a program for teenagers in the uk and I thought, gosh, like, wh what do you want with contemporary dance? Like, amazing. And they said, yeah, we want to do something a bit uh, slightly more radical. I mean, I think today you look at it, it's not that radical. But um, yeah, and we want to open the second season with literally a sequence of dance. Like, it's the first thing that happens. So it was a real statement. Um, and that's why I did it. I thought, that's awesome. You know, they, we had discussions about the music and uh, they wanted to put uh, kind of like a, an even more heavy, heavier electronic music than what the, uh, you know, what my work was on. And I was like, sure, let's go with it. It was actually one of these experiences that you think might be horrible and ended up really fun <laughs> and really good, you know. And, and I have to say as well, the way they filmed it was just, I mean, incredible. They, they, the production was just... Uh, absolutely top-notch so um yeah it was just an opportunity to put the work out there to young people did it work do you think i think it really worked yeah. at that time i mean you know and i also like like we spoke before about you know who art is for who dance art is for and i'm really you know advocating for it's for whoever wants to experience it in the same time that I was doing this you know I had I was working with the National Theatre with uh, Marianne Elliott on St. John um, and in the same time my company was touring so there was suddenly so much new audience that got curious about my work coming from different angles and that was that's always will be my absolute pleasure um, you know going to Sadler's Wells or wherever in the world but in Sadler's Wells to see the range of ages, of cultures, of uh, people that come from different interests, people that are interested in music, uh, cinema, theater, dance, 
these are this is my audience at Sadler's Wells, and this is something I'm, that always makes me feel very happy. You know, um, I suffer when I see that my audience is whatever one slice of society, because then I feel well that we kind of missed a trick, uh, because the cool thing about dance is that I can have a 16 years old dude, you know, just loving it on a certain level that he can connect to it and a 55 years old dude that connects to it in a different way, but loving it for very different reasons. And that's very powerful for me. And so, yeah. What's the fourth thing? Fourth thing uh, that is a big uh, part of my life um, and somehow always was in a very weird way is tennis. Is this a thing? Yeah. Okay. Tennis <laughs> is a thing. When I was uh, a, a child again in Jerusalem, I I used to watch a lot of tennis on TV. I, I don't know why. I did, in the beginning I didn't even know how the game works, but I used to love it. And then I always wanted to play it, and I didn't have the chance to play it. Um, I went maybe twice as a child with a friend to some tennis center, which was the other side of town. I mean, that was, we're talking 80s in Jerusalem, that tennis courts were not a popular thing or available thing. So we had to go to the other side of town where there was the only center for tennis and, and played a couple of times. Um, and somehow when I came to London, of course, tennis is a big thing. And I was like, OK, I'm going to take up tennis and I'm playing tennis as much as I can. I really love it. There is something about playing tennis that is very similar to dance in the way that you have your thinking mind, your analyzing mind, uh, communicating with your body. Um, the satisfying thing about tennis is that when it goes, when it's right, well, you have a way to tell whether you, whether you did good or not. I mean, the ball is either in or out. You know, yeah. but there is the matter of communication, a very quick and instinctive communication between your thinking and analyzing mind and your body and the way the body responds to that and, and being in different states, you know, being in a very judgmental state, being in a state where you order your body, being in a way where you feel your body is leading and sort of like things just happen and it's all perfect and you're really connected to your instincts suddenly. So, you know, there's a way to learn tennis where you're like, okay, I have to hold the racket more in front of me in order to get more power on the shoulder, blah, blah, blah. And there is a way where you are in a flow, you're in the zone, and suddenly it's all just working. You don't know why, you don't ask why. With dance, it's very similar. I mean, you're giving orders to your body through thinking mind, you're learning movement, you try to perfect it in different ways, try to use a certain energy. But in the end of the day, there is something that takes over. And there is something that is very intelligent in the body, um, more intelligent than our conscious mind. You know, obviously the body is, is way cleverer than us. I mean, we, we just, we know very little actually about how it works. We just know that it works, you know. Um, so I find this, this um, something that happens inside you, inside your head and inside your body and that connection between the kind of instructing the body and having the body show you and lead you and the body progress through that and so on. I find it really fascinating and and yeah, there is somewhere where I feel practicing tennis is, you know, you have to handle, you have to learn how to handle your emotions. You have to handle how to, you have to learn how to handle um, when you're tired, when you have too much energy, you know, it's really, really, really fascinating. 
and it gets me outside the so theater. I'm playing. Yeah. I love it. It gets me outside the theater and outside the studio. It's a physical activity that I can do out, and mm -hmm. I, yeah, absolutely love it, and I love watching it, and I love watching the big ones, you know, the Federer, Nadal, Mari, which is now out, and Djokovic a bit less, but it's an interesting <laughs> phenomenon all the same. Um, I just find it fascinating. The mind games there are just amazing. Mm. Yeah. Do you do much exercise outside of when you're dancing? Um, well, a bit of tennis. I try to do more uh, now as I'm, you know, sliding towards uh, death slowly <laughs> but surely. How, how does, yeah, I'm so interested <laughs> in that. So you're in your 40s. I'm 44. 44. Yeah. And obviously as a dancer, that's considered... Old. I'm not a dancer. I'm a choreographer now. Okay. Yeah, let's so, not, let's face it. So it's it, moved. You know? It's moved on, right? <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. So and so what? Yeah. So but you're very. I mean, you're you're tiny, and so you do. Is I'm it? a tall guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I you know when I create work, I I create it myself on my mm. body with the dancers. I'm in the studio with them. I'm dancing. I'm, I'm really trying to remain connected to my body because that's the way that I want to make work. I don't want to. Apologies, I don't want to um, sit on a chair and, and order people around. I want to be moving and create the movement through my own body. Of course, my dancers work with me for many years and they also have a lot of input, but I must be, you know, seriously involved. Um, and yeah, there is, but you know, to be a dancer, to be a professional dancer, to come and perform on stage, you have to do it every day. You have to be in shape in a way that uh, I um, don't have time to, you know, it, it's just it requires so much energy and so much power and stamina. It's, you know, dancers are, are a special breed, you know, they're strong. Um, and in order to do that, you yeah, you have to practice every day. Let's talk about the fifth item you wanted to talk about or thing or object. Um, Okay, the f the last thing will be um, someone that is called Krishnamurti, and he's um, a kind of like a writer, public speaker dude uh, from India that used to live in London actually many many years ago, um, and he wrote a lot of books. He wrote a lot of books about society and culture and open thinking and free thinking and uh, my dad um, kind of like you know put these books in front of me when I was uh, about 15 16 and it really 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 opened my mind about the way I use my mind and the way I see the world there is a lot of uh, dealing in his books with the idea of definitions that's the way for people to feel uh, confident or safe or secure in life is to create a definition a good thing on the one hand a problematic thing on the other because you stop seeing things for what they are uh, so you know once you look at a tree you say that's called a tree and then you don't have to look at it anymore <laughs> in a way it, it saves energy but in other ways you are stopping to look at the tree because you think you know what it is um, and yeah, this is something I think that there is a Krishnamurti challenges uh, our culture and the way that we see reality. And, and I really took it with me into life and into creation. You know, the, the through art and dance, you can really challenge and question mm -hmm. 
the you structures. Like to, um, you, you said that you don't mind the response you get from people where they like it or dislike it yeah. as long as they have some kind of response. Yeah, I like a bit of poking, you know. Yeah. And I, also I, you're dealing with the very big issues. I, yeah, I like dealing with what I deal with, basically. I mean, big or small, you might say it's small because it's in my head, you know, it's but, you know, I, I, I'm not ashamed or afraid to say, well, listen, that's what I'm thinking about now be it my mother, be it political structures, be it, you know, and I, you get a slice of my life uh, or my thoughts on stage for where I am in, in life now. So, um, yeah, I think it's important because it's what makes me feel that the work is genuine. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's something I actually care about, it's something I actually am either moved uh, from or um, upset about or you know it, it means that I have an emotional response to the subject um, so yeah I, I like making work about things I care about or that are there any big issues you haven't addressed yet that you'd <laughs> like to uh, time travel yeah. I don't know <laughs> um, um, I'm not planning. I don't know. I don't. I don't plan. I don't go down the list and go like, "Ooh, I didn't address," you know, the uh, eco-sociological <laughs> issues we have. You know, I I try to connect to what interests me at a certain point of life, and I make the work about that. And in that sense, uh, you know, I will make new work next year for my company. I have a bit of a feeling maybe where I want to go, but I have to discover it as I go. You know, I have to discover it uh, through the creation process and see where it takes me. Yeah. Okay. Well, good luck. Great. Thank, and thank you. Thank you so much. Pleasure. That was an episode of the Collector's House, a Matches Fashion podcast. You can find more episodes and more about Five Carlos Place on the Matches Fashion website, and you can join the conversation on social media by searching for at Matches Fashion, at Matches Fashion Man and the hashtag 5CarlosPlace. Thanks for listening.